Oh, ladies and gentlemen, this is Nia's podcast on adulting, feministing, and the universe. And it went like this. I can't believe that I'm at 15 episodes now. I would like to take this opportunity to talk about a few things that's been on my mind. How can it be that something good can also be a bad thing? So I finally got work. And believe me, I am grateful and happy for it all. But when it comes to crunch, I am anxious and I'm worried and fearful and not excited. Why? How is this? I should be happy. I should be jumping up and down. About work ensuing, me and my colleagues making some money for myself since this is my pride and I have learned to accept taking help when it comes and ask for it when I need it. Something that I wasn't able to do in this way prior to all this mess. Although this is the first seemingly good thing to have happened, I've had issues with work and the idea of work and my identity is tied in with work before the lockdown so it's easy to fall back into the habits of the past and continue negative patterns. I feel overwhelmed. That is my current issue which I have discovered. Stress. Like I've not had in a long time while over the lockdown. Rarely did I have a time or a place to be. Rarely did I need a filter on my behaviour and my feelings. I worked on being honest and taking care of myself, and all of a sudden I fall back into habits of list-making and stress. I love lists. And I'd hate to think that a list could hurt me. I think I created lists to make sense of the mess in my head. And it does work. However, now I'm thinking that lists are just a temporary solution for a bigger problem, for a deeper issue. It's a quick fix for something that should not be happening in the first place. Well, it's, it's the amygdala, the primal part of our brain, that has the fight or flight response. And when we feel threatened, it sends a signal to send out stress hormone cortisol so that we could potentially run away from the danger. Since the threat is too much work and it's nothing that we can really run away from, and therefore we're stuck with the cortisol. And it's just a horrible, stressful experience. And if we do it too much, and there's too much cortisol in our body, we get burnt out or have exhaustion syndrome, which someone dear to me is suffering from. And once you've opened that door, once your brain learned that, it's difficult to unlearn. So instead we have to look into our triggers so that we can learn to avoid these situations. I'm not a scientist nor a psychiatrist, but I hope that this we can agree on. Basically, there are emergency protocols in place in our bodies and warning signs and we ignore them. We are so distracted and not in touch with ourselves that we miss them. It's like intuitive eating. If you've ever heard of it before, it's all about learning what your body is asking for. Those who practice it believe that the body tells us what we need. We just need to listen. 
Sometimes a craving is just that. Your body is telling you it needs carbs. Same, I heard a person talking about intuitive exercise. That instead of having a regime, she was going to try and listen to her body. Today, I need to get rid of all this extra energy with a run. Or today, I feel unfocused and achy. I need to stretch or do yoga. I think it's so refreshing to hear people exploring their own bodies in this way. It's like we're getting to know ourselves again. And if we really think about it, it's a wonderful new adventure. That's how we could see it if we choose to. And I've said this before, but it can be repeated for you and especially for me. When a child needs to run, they'll run. When they need to stretch, they will. You can see them moving around if they sat down for too long. That's their body telling them, move, move. Which is why we say it's so hard for kids to sit still and be civilized. They instinctively know what they need. I listened to Dr. Joshua Woolrich's podcast, Cut Through Nutrition, where he, a NHS surgical doctor fighting weight stigma, and a nutritionist talk about the errors in nutritional research. They use the same strategies that medicine do with their research. They point out that first of all, we are all unique with unique DNA, heritage, culture, etc. And it all matters. It all matters to what we eat, how our bodies function and what's in our stomachs and the bacteria that lives there is also unique to you. Then there's intolerances and allergies. So when a study is made in one country and read in another, just the culture and food cuisine alone is only a couple of factors that would give a different result. I hope you get the picture. Then finally, it's about what that person, that's part of the research, that what they've been eating lately. What did they eat for breakfast before they participated? How much water did they drink? This all can give misleading results. And therefore, the nutritional science is often used out of context or researched wrongly. My conclusion is that the more self-aware we get, the better we can understand what we need. Do we need a few hours of distraction? Do we need to go for a walk? Do we need a nap? Do we need to drink more water? Do we need to start the morning with meditation to break negative thinking habits? Just boil life down to the basics. Sleep, water, food, social interactions. So my email address where you can find me, message me, whatever you want. Just talk to me, just saying hi, like what you do, or I don't like what you do. Or I would like you to talk about this or whatever. The email address is and it went like this podcast at gmail.com You can also find me on all the social medias like Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter and my tag is and it went like this podcast Let's just keep it simple, right guys? (laughs) Have a nice day guys Peace out. I just started watching Netflix series Anne with E.
It's originally books, and I have a memory that my sister collected them. It's about this young girl in the early 20th century in Canada. And in the very first episode, she gets picked up from the train station. By horse and carriage, they travel through some magnificent landscapes. And her mind and her imagination is beautiful. Descriptive. Poetic. If we could learn something for today, it would be this. How do we, through adversity, find pleasure? How do we, in difficult times, learn to be content? Is it possible that our adversities makes us better people? Maybe it depends on the kind of adversity. This Swedish podcast I listened to lately is called Nuj Podlipod och Henrik. <laughs> it's with two prominent Swedish comedians. They are together and there's 20 years between them. They belong to different generations. And Noor talks about how she recently talked to a taxi driver and he told her that he was going to buy his daughter a flat in Stockholm. That he was working all the time, day and night and weekends, all the time, to try and scrape together money for this. Noor disagrees with this notion of giving your children too much, such as a flat. And her opinion is that we need to make this journey ourselves to help us grow as human beings. I think I totally agree with this. Although I might have been handed a lot and spoiled in so many ways, I moved to England at age 18 and created my life from nothing. I knew no one and many of those I've known over the years have moved. Since that's the nature of a fast-paced metropolitan like London. But if it wasn't for Kyle, my fiancé, I don't know if I would still be here. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? So adversity can be useful, but also devastating. I watched a TED talk from this past February by Dean Furness, a man who was paralyzed from chest down in an accident on their farm. He says that the first thing he had to do after the accident was to forget or disconnect from the person he was before. I personally think that this is crucial in any mental health work. We need to realize that we're no longer the person we are in our minds. The young woman who moved here at age 18, she's no longer here. You notice it, especially when you meet a f- an old friend that you haven't seen in a long time. How you slide back into the person you were then. But it's like an echo of who I am today. I think I was more optimistic and positive and happier back then. But actually, maybe I was naive and self-centered. Not saying that I still am to some degree. But there are other features that have grown. And it's sometimes by hard work and sometimes by adversity. Whatever that looks like, it's different to all of us. I wonder if you have a notion of yourself that maybe is incorrect today or struggle to match up with who you are today. It's the same with tools to cope and function in life. They do no longer match up with who you are today and you will need new ones. New tools. And this is where I think therapy can help, where it helps me. Dean Furness continues to talk about how they did a workout challenge in the gym at the hospital. And they won, but he couldn't use his arms for three days. And that is a problem when you need your arms to move using a wheelchair. So instead he chose to focus on who he is today. You will have good days and bad days. But it's about where you put your average, as he calls it. But I prefer to think of it as a neutral face, 
or a meh moment or day. You know, meh. How do you feel? Yeah. <laughs> How are you today? Oh, meh. So it's a matter of perspective. Now, I only put a sad face in my mood tracking app if I have had an anxiety attack or felt really awful. Most of the days are a happy face. Not a great face, but a good green smiley. And as I look at my week, I've only had one dip in that one afternoon on that one day in a whole week. And I can see that that is a great week for me. During the summer, most of the days were the neutral meh face with a lot more dips on the sad front. Dean enrolls in a half marathon recommended by his therapist and all of a sudden this was his goal, to get faster and to walk Well, it was no longer a goal. He shifted his perspective and got excited about something else. He aspired to be as fast as the pros, but once again, he had to remind himself that it's not about comparing ourselves, it's it's perspective. Where is your average? Where is your meh? And maybe the average and the meh days are not a bad thing. They're just they're just there. They exist so we can feel our highs and our lows. So maybe today is the day we look at the rain and the great clouds and find comfort that the earth is getting watered or see how beautiful it can be or peaceful with the rain patters against the window and lull us into coziness with nostalgia. Maybe we want to make a cup of tea and read and dream ourselves away to the green gobbles with Anne with an E. Now, since I wrote this episode a few days ago, in the UK we have received grim news. We are to go into another national lockdown in a couple of days. The anxiety I had for working is no longer a problem since we have to close again. So I'm sending my love and my warmth to you and I hope you can spare and send some back to me too. Peace out. So, thank you so much for listening to my podcast. And he went like this podcast. Podcast. I hope you enjoy my talk today. Please write me. Please let me know your stories. Please, please. Everything was recorded and produced and edited by yours truly, Linnea Kempe. That's me. You can find my email address and it went like this, podcast at gmail.com. And on social media, my tag is, and it went like this podcast. Because, you know, let's keep it simple.